Hello and welcome to another podcast from The Practical Medium, and I am always, as ever, your slack tart, The Practical Medium, who is finally getting around to actually doing mm, two podcasts in one month. Woohoo! Uh, just a quick nod to the timeline. We're finally past the elections, thankfully, and as I'm doing this, it's been three weeks, but... I think it has taken me that long to detoxify from everything that has gone on. I mean, I don't like to get political on here and on the, the podcast. And I keep my opinions to myself on this stuff, mainly because it's uh, just polite. To, or I think it's polite anyway. But my lord, some of the stuff I have seen on the social media pages of, um, of, para- of not paranormal, um, metaphysical stuff. Uh, it's just like, wow, really? Are you kidding me? Are you really thinking this? Is this that, that somehow the other side can just magically wave a wand and this happens? Oh my God. So yeah, we unfortunately live or fortunately take your pick in a world based on evidence and reality and facts. And well, it's nice to escape from it. And I know that I am dealing in something that has tends to have a hard time being proven. And, um, you know, who knows what will happen with as medical science advances. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I don't know. I just can tell you that this is my reality. And it, it, it tends to be in the one that, um, you know, you, the listener, are also existing in. So I guess there's some con- concurrence, right? Right. So anyway, after that, on that note, um, <laughs> the... Um, other th- the topic for tonight, and I'm going to segue very hard into the topic for tonight, as I have been teasing, is going to be near-death experiences. I'm going to get into the whole, what are they? Um, what is it? Why is it a thing? Uh, what happens? What people's experiences? I don't have a whole lot of reading about it, but I do, I've had it picked up enough over the years to be able to coherently say that there's a commonality in near-death experiences. And why they happen at all. So without much ado, oh, I'm going to, I'm recording this on the day before Thanksgiving. And I thought, well, I'll put this out as a Thanksgiving dessert for people tomorrow night on Thanksgiving night, but I'm going to do this on Black Friday just because it's more morbid, humorally appropriate than the thing than the day of giving thanks for what we got. Right. Anyway. So on that note, I hope everybody who is going to do Thanksgiving with family is going to be safe and do the right thing, and come home intact and without the Rona. I mean, I'm being, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to do the same thing with my family, and just, you know, we lost a family member this year, so it's, we're down yet another one. Might as well enjoy what they got left, and what, what we have left of them, and mm, be safe. So, that's all we can do. Anyway, on that note, on to tonight's topic, which is near-death experience. I have been trying to work this one out, I think, since the beginning of October, and it just did not want to flow. Uh, and the, so what I'm going to cover is, as I said, the whole, the whole uh, maybe more of an outline, um, and a, a look, as it were, because there are some things that I'll probably dial in on later and like focus on a particular aspect of it. And I know I keep promising that with some of my other stuff, but I don't always get to it. But I will eventually come back and dial in more because I think some things like crossing over need more insight. But for now, this is, as always, an overview. And also, Ken would like me to relay 
his uh, his experience. So, and I will, I'll save that one for the end because it's it's kind of funny, but it's kind of wow. Anyway, alrighty, um, let's. Where do we start? We'll start with the what is a near death experience, and you see these shows on TV. You. Um, may re- maybe read about them wherever media is full of stories of near-death experiences. And India itself has a fascinating relationship with near-death experiences. And if I got, if I got the time, I will talk about that a little bit too, because it's some, that, some of that's kind of absurd too. But for us in the Western culture, we tend to put our faith in science that when we die on the table, we are dead, who we are as a person disperses, we are no longer, that the energy behind us is gone, and there's just no way in hell we can have a near-death experience when we're brain dead or heart dead on a table. Well, you know, there is a tie-in to that, how, the reason why the body goes, dies, and why the, the, we have these experiences, and I will get to that. But long story short, near-death experiences... We call them that. I'm going to start saying NDEs just to for abbreviation's sake. When we have an NDE, we really have died. We have we're clinically dead. We are no more, um, as the saying goes. We have technically left the building, and it really you know. And for all intents and purposes, forever how long somebody is clinically dead for? They are physically dead. Now, does your soul stay in the body? Sometimes. Does your soul leave the body? Yeah, it does. It leaves the body more often than it stays because there's a trigger when you die that releases the soul from its connection to the body. And I think that is something I will get into in another episode because there's a lot of detail to talk about. So I'm just going to shorthand it for now and we're going to say that the body and the soul have an actual connection to hold it in place. When you die, that connection releases and the soul, you know, takes off. So that's why you have people who see themselves on the table in the operating room. You have reports of doctors putting uh, or surgeons putting objects in places where people shouldn't be able to see them. And yet patients come back and say that they're there. Now that's actually people who don't die on the table, but do see stuff like that. That's more of an astral travel thing. It's, uh, you are leaving your body, but you are still tethered to it. So there's actually a distinction there. And I'm just going to make that real quick that in this case, somebody who sees things, but never was clinically dead is traveling because they're out of their body, but they are not disconnected from it. Near death experiences are people whose bodies have clinically shut down and are not, um, technically supposed to come back. Now those, again, that's the basics. That's not me going, going or getting, because my brain wanted to put both words out at once. Getting more than just overview. I'm not going to get technical. I, like I said, I'll say that for some another time. When we die, and our soul does leave the body, we are disconnected. We are not connected like we are with the astral travel because the body has not ceased to function. We just step out of it, and. It, when I say step out of it and we're connected, anybody who's messing around with astral travel, if they look behind them, will see a thick rope of white light connecting themselves to their body or something of that nature. It is very much what keeps you tethered to your body. When you have an NDE, that rope is almost nothing. 
or it is absolutely, it has been severed. Now, here's why this is an NDE. Here's how people come back to life. Because I'm talking about this connection to the body being severed. It's not permanent. In some cases, it literally is not permanent. Because the body can still sustain life. If the soul gets, get, gets put back in soon enough. So people who are clinically dead for a certain amount of time and come back against all odds, um, sometimes it's a mistake on the part of the medical team. It happens. I'm not saying that, that medical people are perfect, but it does happen. And sometimes it's just the other side. I said, no, you know what? Let's take a look at this body. Hey, oh, it's, it's still fresh. It's still usable. It's got some damage here and there. You know, it's, it's been driven around the block a few times, but it's still usable. So we're going to send this person back because it really, it's the wrong time for them to come home. I don't give a shit about their exit point. It's, they need to get to the next one before they can take the, the right turn at Alba, Albuquerque and come home. So the other side will say, you know, yep, nope, 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 nope. This is not the right time. And uh, yeah, you're going home. You're going back. I know it sucks. And it's going to hurt and it's going to blow and you're not going to want to come back because it feels so awesome here. But you still got stuff to do. So that is why the turnarounds happen. Is that you may have contracted and said this is my time to die. And you, do, you have decided on the subconscious level you want to take this out. But there's an assessment that goes on that says, well, maybe you still need to go back and do a few more things before you can say that you have done everything you have come here to do. And it turns into an NDE as opposed to a death. And you are usually turned back by someone you know, a family member that has gone before you because that's who you would trust the most. But sometimes you get people you don't know because that's who needed to be there at the time to send you home. You'll know that person later and when you pass and you'll go, oh, hey, you're the, you're the asshole who sent me back home. What the hell? What was that all about? And they'll explain. They'll explain what happened and they'll explain to you their role and why they were there. You know, if you want the answers, that there's always answers for things. But by and large, you are going to be greeted by family members or just somebody who's familiar to you because it's a scary time and family members make things more comfortable. And... That family member will tell you, and you've probably read, if you're into NDEs, stories about family who's, the living person said, yeah, my dead grandma, she was there for me. She saw me coming through and she said, uh-uh, ain't time for you to come home, honey. I ain't finished that crocheting, that that blanket for you. So time to go home, time to go back to your body. Sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll meet again. Don't worry about it, but this is not now. You know, and sometimes it's violent. And I'll get to that with um, when I talk about India because that is fascinating and by itself. And sometimes it's more like, uh, hi, you're here too soon. Turn around and go back. And you can't go forward. You can't get, you can't push forward to, to completely die because you were actually pushed back um, by the person who met you there. They just turn you around and say, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to frog march you back into your body. Now those, I'm being a little lighthearted on it. Um, but by, yeah, by and large, these are the scenarios, how they go down when you have NDEs. You might have somebody who's on an extended journey between realms because their body's in a coma or they're in some kind of distress and their body is not quite ready, but their physically, their body, physical body might still be alive just enough to, you know, to, to act 
as a receptacle for when it's time to come back. So there's people like I know there's a famous story about a surgeon who had been um, I think it was a coma and he was on this long, long journey and he experienced all this stuff. I don't know if it got debunked or not. Uh, but there are there's there's more than just that kind of a story out there where people have come back to life but the body doesn't always function the way it did beforehand sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't and there are various reasons for that as well because I've I think there's a if I recall correctly there was a can woman who had cancer and woke up completely cured of it or almost cured and uh, she had an NDE because she was dying from the cancer and came back and it was it disappeared or something Again, don't quote me on that. It has been a while since I've researched this. I'm kind of going from flow to explain from a practical point of view what happens with this stuff. The stories are ultimately, they're good examples. But in the scheme of things, because everybody's experience is unique and different from one another, you can't base uh, what happens on a story as going to be what happens to somebody, to somebody else. So one person's NDE is not going to be the same as another person's NDE. There will be similar elements because of the process, sure. But will there be, hmm, well, you had this, I had this experience when I was dead, so you should have this experience just the same. No, it doesn't work like that. We're, we're, we're not computers processing an EXE file to get something going. We are all here for our own individual experience and you know, it's uh, as Einstein's theory of relativity. It's the perception. One person can see one thing and the other person sees another thing, even though the, the event happens at the same time, depending on where you are, you're going to have a different experience. And while I don't know if Einstein was considering the whole concept of the paranormal or the impact of on psychology, that the theory of relativity um, spreads across so many fields and it gets into the, the metaphysical as well. So NDEs, they are a thing. They do happen. People do experience them. They are all valid for the most part, unless somebody was really just screwed up on the, the good stuff that they gave you in the hospital and were tripping instead of having an NDE. That happens too, but you can pick out the difference because when um, people who are having an NDE while on drugs, um, you know, because they're trying to have pain relief. It's a totally different part of the brain. It's a total, you, you would, if you were to know what questions to ask uh, the person who's come back from an NDE, you would be able to tell if they were just on a long trip and their body happened to be in OD and um, an overdose state status, um, or if they had actually physically died and came back. So it's a fine line, but it's there. You can, there's also a difference to be told there. So, um, so back to the whole, now that I've covered the, what it is, um, and a bit of the why it is, the, what actually happens during an NDE, I'm going to get to that physical and connection again. When you have an NDE, we call it a near death experience because we come back to life. But the truth of the matter is we die. Our bodies have ceased to function. Whatever it was that knocked us out and put us in that state of, of suspension, of ceasing of all respirations, and um, you know, brain activity does continue for a while after um, the whole heart stops. Um, but that's more 
low function, I think. I don't know if it's necessarily higher cerebral cortex, fun cortex function. Oh, my God, I can't speak. And so there is, there is, I think, a bit of a difference being noted when it comes to brain function after death. I have to go back and look at, read it again to refresh my memory. But for now, let's just say that, yes, brain activity still goes on. And that is part of what gets the systems kicked back on when the, the, our soul returns us, our essence, I guess you can say, when we return to the body, those functions need to be there in the brain, the lizard brain, to tell our body to start breathing again, to tell our heart to start pumping again, to get all of the autonomous stuff functioning so we can live with our body again. And yes, we are severed from our body in, certain, in an NDE. We are not there. We are not home. Lights are off. The only thing that is on is the HVAC running off of a pre-programmed uh, cycle or whatever the you know the smart nest the smart monitor uh, HVAC monitor tells to go running. Otherwise, there's nobody there. It is brain death. And now it's not an absolute thing. Even though I'm sitting here talking in absolutes, it just needs to be made clear that yeah when you are when you're in that state you do not your body isn't functioning apart from very minimally and the medical science would not call that life by any means they might say there's signs of something of activity but they will not call it signs of life you're dead you're done for no bueno uh you know your your expiration date is up and um so yeah it's just that blunt but Here's the flip side. People return, can and do return to their bodies all the time. That's why we have what we call an NDE. The body is not done for the moment we leave our bodies unless it is catastrophic. Somebody who commits suicide with a shotgun and has destroyed themselves beyond recognition, you can't get back into the body. Somebody who has a peaceful death um, and it, they've still got time to come, they need, they still have to come back to do some more stuff. A peaceful death, meaning that their body just shuts down. Sometimes that, that body can be brought back to life and they can be, you know, functional again. Sometimes they live out another 40 years after that. Sometimes they live out, you know, a short time. It just depends on what happened during the moment of death to damage the body and make it not so easy, easy to live with for the next you know, how, however many years are, are needed to complete the, the, pro, the processes, to complete the things that you came to do that you didn't do. It's variable. It's something that is, again, unique to everybody. And I, this will make more sense when I tell Ken's story in a little bit. But long story short, yes, when you have an NDE, you were dead. It really was death. But you came back because your body was still viable. You were able to live in it. And you were able to do what you needed to do in whatever state you happened to be in physically. Many people come back from NDEs, um, like a heart attack is the biggest one. They come back from them and they're fine. Uh, cogn you know, Cognition-wise upstairs, they're fine. Their bodies function. Their hearts may be compromised. But modern medicine has made it so that people with heart conditions can really um, live good lives with exercise, some changes in diet and, um, you know, the medications to keep the heart stable and steady. 
And, um, you know, but some people <clears throat> can't give up the booze and can't or can't give up their drug of choice and, you know, screw things up for themselves. But again, that's their experience. I can only be a judgmental pain in the ass for a certain someone who, you know, anyway, that's enough. That's a, <laughs> that's a bit of a, a bitterness on my part. So I will shut up now before I start digging in. Um, okay. Um, at 20 minutes, so let's see. I will talk a little bit about the India version of NDE. And India is an interesting country in terms of their religion and their spirituality. They live steeped and immersed in the stuff that most Americans and Westerners think of as just a load of hooey. Uh, or they might experience it and they don't understand how to fully engage in it, I guess you could say, and make it a way of life, because it's hard, because you're raised one way. If you're raised in um, a Western religion, it's very hard to think of, you know, uh, Kali or Shiva or uh, Bodhisattva as, you know, gods. It's like, oh my God, this this is an elephant-faced god. They're blue. How many arms do they have? Is this real? Well, yeah, they are, but in, for Indians, uh, you know, they, and, um, they exist and they do exist because, and again, I will probably, you know, I'm reminding myself, this is another podcast topic. How do deities become deities? But, um, I will do that at a, at a point where I'm feeling comfortable in my knowledge. And, but for them, for people in India, this is their life. Now, um, this is where it gets interesting. You, there was a few years ago, there was a, um, article I read about this how, and it was scientifically documented, that in many cases when a, when a person dies, an Indi- you know, a native Indian um, died, their near-death experiences were not peaceful. They fought with somebody and frequently they would have gone to bed or they would have been prior to their NDE, their physical body would have been fine. There would have been no damage on it. But after they died and came back, they would have physical evidence, uh, physical signs of a violent altercation on their body. Uh, bruises, sores, cuts. Uh, because whenever, whenever it was for them, when they had their experience, and for whatever reason, India's culture, you meet somebody who is antagonistic towards you. It's not a family member. So it's also a cultural thing that cultural differences like a schizophrenic in India um, and is more likely to be a happy person because they're not treat they're not they don't have negative thoughts because the whole village treats them as the the gentle fools and their voices don't become negative or wanting to injure people or hate whereas in America our schizophrenics tend to be more violent so it's it's cult it's also a cultural thing for, for whatever reason, their NDEs involve physical violence more often than not. And they wear that physical violence on their body and sometimes for the rest of their life. They have a scar that they can show somebody and say, hey, yeah, this, I, I died. I died because of whatever incident caused me to die. This person met me on the other side and they beat the shit out of me. And this is the proof. And it's, you know, it has many there are many actual cases where it's not somebody who cut themselves or hurt themselves to make it look like they had this. No, there's, it, it is factual reporting. And I found that was interesting. So in India, if it's not your time, you get the shit beat out of you and sent back to your body. 
I guess I like ours versions better, huh? So on that note, the um, getting close here. So we'll talk about Ken's experience and uh, something that he was very is very interesting to me because autism brain being what it is, I have a tendency to take people at face value. I mean, we all do. I'm not saying that it's something that's unique, but for me, it's like, well, you told me this, so it must be the absolute truth. I don't question it. I mean, I might question it later, but I don't really dig into it and I just take it. Well, that's your truth. Who am I to say that you're lying to me? You know, it, and so it's the way my head likes to wrap around it. And when Ken first died, he did die. He had a, and he had the, what he, the widow maker heart attack. And he was gone on the table. Now, he's one of those lucky bastards that was resuscitated with paddles and they got him back into a sinus rhythm, normal rhythm. And uh, he was home, he got, some t- got some of his problems taken care of while he was in the hospital, was home a couple of days later. Well, he's saying three, four days later. And he was home sitting in his basement recovering and feeling miserable as anybody would if you died on the table and had you know, he even had a black eye because he caught an elbow in the in the uh, the ER was an accident but um yeah he was uh brought back and we were all just like wow the odds of that man because this is the online group I'm t- as I've referred to in the past and we we're all just like holy crap are you okay and get the whole thing and somebody of course pipes up and asks him hey did you see anything when you were dead and the question was asked, uh, not to stir crap, but with him, had he told anybody what had happened, they would have just derided him because this is, this, this is, he was, it was a shtick and he always, people would always be like, ah, oh, now you're full of shit because that's just how it, we worked. We all were friends, but eh, sometimes we didn't want to tolerate somebody else's crap. So, he, and he was a big one for giving crap and being given it back. <laughs> the troll the troll excuse me I went through all that explanation and he's just a troll so he was not in a a mindset to want to discuss it with anybody and he just said no it was black he said I just saw nothing I just saw it was just all black for me so I'm like huh well and this is long before I'm really acknowledging about even openness and I had just had my toe in the water and thinking that's kind of unusual he must not have really died then but he must have just blacked out you know from and I, I don't know where that thinking came from but it felt right at the time but again I didn't dig in not long after he dies and uh when I'm starting to come to terms with all of this stuff and if any one of you who listens has loved, lost a loved one, you, you know how much those, the thoughts, your, your thoughts are on that person for a long time. And um, so one of the things was, is especially after Linda brought the proof of his existence to me by saying things to me that there's no way somebody in Australia knows about, uh, unless she's getting it from Ken. Um, and there's nothing online with this stuff, so you know anyway so I was questioning that so what did happen Ken when you died on the table you said you died and the response was my mom was there she put her foot in my ass and she kicked me back and said it's not your time yet you still have people to meet (laughs) if um you know it's like you have to know his mother she was 
she wasn't an abusive mother. She was a loving mother. But you, trolls learn their craft from certain people. And in Ken's case, his mother was also a troll. So for her to not, to figuratively, and he doesn't say that she really did it, but because that was the kind of mother she is. For him to say that, it was like, oh boy, you done pissed her off. Good, didn't you? So he, yeah, so she was there to meet him. And she's just like, mm-mm, you ain't done yet. You got to go back. So even though he had a widowmaker, even though he was technically dead, you know, medically dead, and his heart was in really seriously bad shape, he still came back for another six years. He was he, he finished off what he had to do. He tied up most of his loose ends and fucked off six years later. Uh, almost, you know, it's like it was six years and about three months after the initial heart attack. So, but he struggled with the problems that came from having a damaged heart. So that was another, you know, I was there for all the struggle too. That's part of why we kind of hooked up. Is like, hey, does this thing still work? Hey, you want to find out with me? Sure. And then that's all she wrote kind of thing. And so I was the person who, you know, listened to the medical stuff because, you know, I'm, it fascinates me. It interests me. And I like to understand how the body works. And just went through it with him. And then lost him. Or so I, so I thought. So anyway, and I'm being a little maudlin here and dragging myself into it. But anyway. So his mother, I never knew her in life apart from what he had talked about her when she was still alive. And I, the stories were always great. So it's not surprising she's there to be the one to send him back home and say, ah, 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 you still got some shit to do. You got to finish this up. Otherwise, I ain't letting you come on home. And yeah, she, he says she was there when it was time and said, see, I told you so. Apparently, I'm paraphrasing the actual language, but yeah, I don't need. I'm. I'm. Doesn't. I don't need to know everything. I think. Anyway, so that is his experience. He did have one, and for the longest time, it it confused me because I'm like, wait, you told me you saw nothing, but you're telling me your mom was there to kick you back. Which, which, what, what am I supposed to believe here? But yeah, that was more, I, I, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, if it would be to your mind a little bit of confusion too. But no, nah, it was real. Linda's confirmed it and some added some stuff to it. So I definitely have no doubt of the fact that he had this. Anyway, on that note, I'm getting to my cutting off point. And I don't have much else really flowing through that's coming through right now, but I'm going to go back through this and, and my editing and take notes because there's a lot to unpick here, just like there is with crossing over. And it's something that obviously no, not everybody is going to experience an NDE. It's not, and it's not always planned for. Sometimes it does happen because, you know, it's like shit happens and sometimes things just go south when you least expect it. But for those who have, um, or for those who are wondering about it, this is a basic idea and insight of how it works and, a, you know, the personal experience from Ken about how it worked for him. So we'll get to this in a later one once I get back onto a normal schedule, whenever that may be. 2020, the dumpster fire has attacked us all and now I'm back to, I can't, it's like I was enjoying being back and doing my lap swimming and now I can't lap swim, so because we're rolled back here, uh, I can't wait for this to go away. Even me, 
the introverted so uh, <laughs> the introverted antisocial medium who wants nothing to do with the outside world some days is starting to get tired of covid and tired of getting uh lockdown fatigue so you know i'm gonna bitch a little meanwhile in the meantime we all need to live our lives we all need to do what we need to do just be safe and uh just don't play with fire until the next time i put myself together for another podcast and roll one out you all take care and thanks for listening i appreciate you all as always and thank you for putting up with my uh, irregularities. Take care, and hopefully by the time you've listened to this, you've had an excellent turkey day and have had your had a break and everything by seeing family or however you wanted to play it. Take care, be well, and until next time.